Looking at Luke chapter number three, and boy, that's a great truth and song, isn't it? People need the Lord, and they need to hear about Christ. They don't even know what they need, but uh, we need to talk about it. We need to share the gospel with people. Ask God to use you. If you're a construction guy, ask God to use you. If you're a secretary, ask God to use you. I think about Brother Laws, uh, Brother William Laws, one of our faithful members, and oh, he's just a blessing. Uh, but uh, he was a lawyer in downtown, the high rise. And one of our members, a secretary, went into him and just said, Mr. Laws, I'm concerned about you. He had no interest in Christ and those kind of things. But uh, talked to him about that, left him, left him a, a track. And then also Brother Hiles's uh, CD or a cassette tape. And God used that to bring he and his wife, Marjorie, to the Lord. And I see he and his son sitting here this morning, faithfully serving Christ because of a secretary who witnessed and had the audacity to go into a high, a high fluting lawyer and tell him he needs Jesus and we care about him. We ought to do that. We ought to do that everywhere. And I hope we'll do that faithfully. Thank you very much for that. We're in the book of Luke, and I want to watch your time go by this evening. <laughs> uh, but I want to watch it because I, I know we've, we've done a lot in our service tonight. But I think what we're going to talk about is very important. We're continuing in our study of Luke. Luke, of course, is that physician who spent time with the Apostle Paul, stayed with him probably the last four to five years of his life for sure, maybe even more than that. But while Paul was in prison in Caesarea, Luke was right with him. When he got on that 14-day uh, terrible shipwreck, uh, Luke was with him and Aristarchus on that thing. When he went into Rome and did the rented home there that he was able to have a, a soldier come and watch him uh, all the time, Luke was right there with him. And uh, then when he went from there to the Mamertine prison where he would eventually have his head removed from his body and martyred and executed there by the Roman government, Luke was there. At the very last time he wrote any book of the Bible in 2 uh, Timothy chapter 4, he said, only Luke is with me. And Luke was a man who didn't write any messages, but he wrote two books of the Bible on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God after much diligence and search. And he cared for somebody that loved, uh, that loved the Lord deeply and learned much from him. And I'm so glad I have the book of Luke. I'm so glad I have the book of Acts. I'm glad a man used his gifts for the talents and for the, and for the strengths that we enjoy to this day. And I also thank the Lord for whoever Theophilus is. I don't know who Theophilus is. He's a lover of God, probably a Roman... Uh, a Roman leader that was saved and, and uh, who financed potentially Luke's work. He could have had his own medical practice, but he spent his time with one person and then being used of God to research the Word of God. And I'm glad we have that. So many things. 60% of the book of Luke is unique to the book of Luke. Um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, but it, he definitely did a lot of work in that, and I'm so thankful for it. He portrays Jesus and reminds us that he was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. And when he became man and he did not lay aside his deity, he was God and man at the same time, 100% of each of those. And he's reminding us about his manhood and about the fact that he was hungry, he was tired, uh, he, he woke up early, he went, he went to bed late. There are different things, his, his work ethic. You see that in the book of Luke. And he'll give his lineage in this chapter. We didn't read that. I wanted to be careful to Brother Chris and not have him read the entire 75 names from, uh, from Joseph and his dad down to, um, 
to Adam, and, and I wouldn't want to read it myself. I, I have read it numerous times in preparation, but I'm not going to demonstrate my reading ability or lack of it in just a moment. However, you know, we learn early on about not only Jesus, and he'll be the main focus, uh, we'll find that John will fall off the pages of the Bible here early, but John the Baptist was very instrumental in the early days. His mom and dad, Zacharias and Elizabeth, equally uh, very important in the early days in, 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 in preparing the way of the Lord Jesus to come. And now we find that John has um, been preaching, and while he's preaching, he's certainly very powerful. He's a powerful preacher. Uh, he has been uh, secluded in the wilderness his entire early life, and then the Lord brings him out to preach. Small group at first, but time, people began to come. And whenever he preached, he not only was powerful, but he was provocative. He got a hold of them. It, there was the power of God was coming upon the audience. When they heard the preaching, one group said, the, the general group said, what shall we do? And of course, what he told them is, if you got two coats, well, get rid of one of them and help somebody with that one and wear one coat. If you got enough food for you, then share your food with somebody else. It's interesting, when they asked what to do, he didn't say, read your Bible and pray. Nothing wrong with both of those, and we should do both of those. He went right to their finances. Well, when they got their answer, the publicans, those who were Jewish men who collected funds for, from the uh, from the Hebrews there and from the, from the Jewish citizens, they said, you know, what, what should we do? He said, well, quit ripping people off. Exact no more than you owe, than, than people owe you. And uh, make sure you, 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 you're honest. Don't be dishonest with your finances. Good night. Of all the things he could have told them to do, he said, look, number one, be content. He said, I want you to, if you've got two things, well, share it with something else. Be honest with what you have. Then the soldiers, maybe they're Roman soldiers, maybe they're Jewish soldiers, they finally said, hey, how about us? What do you want us to do? He said, well, quit being cruel to people and be content with your wages. Quit going around saying you don't get paid enough. He said, be content with what you have. Live on what you have. And don't be unkind or cruel to people or extort money out of people using your, your military might. Don't do that. It's interesting that each time they asked him what to do, he pointed to a financial matter. And money is on our brain. Money's always in the middle. It gets a little bit tense when you talk about money. And yet Jesus is not afraid to do that. And John wasn't afraid to do it. Because where a man's treasure is, there his heart will be also. Well, after John gave all that answer, some of the people are scratching their head and they're thinking, is John the Messiah? Are we looking at the Messiah? He's preparing us for a disciple. Maybe he's the Messiah. And we pick up in a reading in verse 15, that's when he quickly put that thought to rest very fast. Look, if you would please, in your Bibles, chapter 3 and verse number 15, the Bible says, and as the people were in expectation, they couldn't wait for the Messiah to come. He was coming. All men mused, or they thought in their hearts of John, whether he were the Christ or the Messiah or not. Verse 16, read it out loud with me again. John answered, saying unto them all, But one mightier than I cometh, the latchet whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose, and with fire. So here he quickly puts that to rest. And uh, he said it in the Greek, hold the phone, Joan. No, not really. Okay. He just, he said, no, no, I'm not the Messiah. The Messiah, I'm not even worthy to reach down on my feet and untie his shoestring. 
He is so far above me, I'm not even worthy to come and just do one thing for him. And of course, it goes on, John would say uh, in the Holy Writ, in John chapter 3, verse 30, John, whenever people said, man, all these people are following John the Baptist, and now they're leaving and following Jesus. And people said, John, is it getting you all nervous because all these people are leaving and following Jesus? And some of those people were James, John, Andrew. They first heard about Jesus through John the Baptist. And when they left him to start following Jesus, people started nagging him a little bit and saying, hey, man, are you probably bothering you, man? All those people are leaving you. and going to He said, are you kidding me? He must increase, but I must. He said, no, that's why I came into this world. I'm not here for me. I'm here for God. And by the way, we can learn a lesson from John, can't we? What's one word that comes to your mind when you think about verse 16? What comes into your mind you think about John that we need to have in our own selves? What is it? Humility. I heard that too. You see someone who understood that it wasn't about him. He, in just a few months, would he'll spend 10 months in a jail cell, they, they estimate, and he'll be gone. And he realized, and by the way, if you'll think about this, John and Jesus were 30 years old. They're young. How many of you are under 30 years old? Would you raise your hand? Very good. How many of us, unfortunately, are older than 30 years old? Okay. Let me just say to everybody that's younger, listen to this. Don't postpone your usefulness to the Lord. Don't put that off and say, one day I'll do that later. Jesus lived and died before he was 33 years old. If you can imagine what took place, this is not John's purpose. He fulfilled it before he went to heaven. He was 30, less than 31 years old when he died. Don't postpone your purpose and your usefulness. If God's called you to do something, do it when you're young. Don't put it off. Start giving now. Start serving now. Start giving out tracts now. Start asking God to give me somebody to disciple. Let me find my purpose and my usefulness when I'm young. There are some of you, you could be used of God in a great way, but you're just putting it off and putting it off. Stop it. I think John and Jesus both are great. What God used John and Jesus to do, and they're not on the same plane. Understand this. John understood it. We understand it. Jesus is sinless. The Savior, John's a sinner. Jesus is the Messiah. John's just another man. But God used them. And he was used of the Lord. He brought great joy to his parents. We saw that in chapter 1, the things they did. It was filled with the Holy Ghost. That's a good thing for all of us to have to seek the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. And don't postpone your usefulness. We see humility. We see purpose. He understood, okay, I'm in here. I don't know that he thought he would never see his 32nd birthday. I don't know that that was in his mind. We know that later on he was very grieved and very, he, was, he caught on to, unfortunately, fell prey to satanic doubt and wondered if Jesus was really the Messiah. Or do we look for another? And we can look at that in Luke chapter 11. You can see the story of, of, of how he responded to that. But nonetheless, we find that he was humble. We find that also he was willing to play his role. 
And reminding us all, and we're going to talk about this in, in, our, in our servants' conference, I'm asking you to continue to pray for that. I have a meeting tomorrow with all of our speakers, and I'm asking them to kind of get on the same page with us. You pray for that meeting and pray for that conference. But three concepts we're going to talk about that at that servants' conference is lordship, leadership, partnership. Say it with me, would you please? Lordship. One more time. Lordship. Because that's the work of God, is reminding our, we're here because of Christ. He's the Lord. You're not here because of me, not here because of the great First Baptist Church of Hammond. Forget that. We're here because of Jesus. Not here because of a program, not here because of the bus ministry, not here for the ministry. We're here for Jesus. He needs to have his will and way in my life individually, in our, in, in your life individually, in our life corporately. The church is about Christ. It's not about what everyone else thinks that we are somewhere else. It's not about missions. It's about Christ. Everything needs to start and finish with the person of Jesus Christ. Then we need to have somebody step up and lead. I thank God for what God is doing in different places, but it's, it can't happen without some leadership. And then it can't happen without some partnership. There's no place in the, in the scriptures for lone rangers, for mavericks just doing their own thing. Everybody's got to work together. Now, there is something that keeps that from happening, and that's pride. And I see that in John the Baptist. He was a humble man. He understood his role. He may not have verbalized that together, but whenever it came time, they said, oh, maybe you're the Messiah. He said, no, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not even worthy to untie his shoestrings at night. That's, that's how high he is, and that's how low I am. And I think he understood lordship. Do you think so? Yeah, look at verse 17. Would you please, and the Bible says here, he now introduces him. He says, I baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. End of verse 16. By the way, I think he probably is predicting two things. Number one, the Pentecost would come. And remember how that those tongues came as though uh, as, as, as a fire, as a fire that would go. And the Spirit of God came through. Maybe he was talking about that. Some people think about uh, in the, the book of... Um, of Revelation chapter 9, maybe verse 16 or so, it talks a little bit about the fire of God. Also, fire, it brings judgment. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we talk about our works will be burned with fire. It'll be gold, silver, precious stones, things that are, fire does not affect. As a matter of fact, it purifies. Or wood, hay, and stubble. Our lives will be in one of those two. It'll be tried by fire. Things that are done just for me, for the glory, for a pat in the back, for, for, for selfish things, that stuff is going to go up in smoke. But things that are done for God or gold, silver, precious stone, those are things that continue on. And the fire of God's going to come. He says, I'll baptize you with water. He'll baptize you with fire. And he looks to the next verse, and I think I know that because of what the next verse says. Let's look at it real quickly. It's something we'll have to have a little bit explained to us. I would say, some of you might know the, 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 the foundation, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff he will burn with what? Okay, so he says, Jesus, when he comes, he's the, he's the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. He would say that. He's coming, and he's got, he's got uh, I, he'll baptize with fire, and his fan is in his hand. And what they would do is, is whenever they would get all the wheat there, they would, they would put a fan, and they would throw, they would beat the wheat, and the kernels would stay. They want them to stay on the bottom, and the chaff, that's the, that's the, 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 uh, the, the leaves and the, and the outside of, of, the, of the wheat, that's gonna, they're going to beat that down and break that out. The kernel, then they throw it up. The fan throws it up. 
and the wind takes the chaff and the kernel falls down. And what he's referring to is those who are saved and those who are lost. He said, he, he said his family, he'll divide. He'll divide the sheep from the goats. He's going to divide. He'll bring a judgment. And he'll put those people who are saved and those people who are not. He said the saved will be, will be with him. The unsaved will be burned with unquenchable fire. I think he's talking about, he's telling, once again, a Jewish audience there in the wilderness. And he's telling them this Messiah, when he comes, he's going to baptize with fire. He'll bring judgment to, to the world. Let's continue on. He did other things, and this is not his only sermon, but you'll see in verse 18, and many other things his exhortation preached unto the people. So he spoke about a lot of stuff. But Herod the Tetrarch, being reproved by him for Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, for all the evils that uh, Herod had done. Now, uh, Herodias, uh, Herodias was the wife of Philip, Philip and, and Herod were brothers, Antipas were brothers together. Well, Herod uh, got an infatuation for Herodias, Philip, his brother, his brother-in-law's, his brother's wife, his sister-in-law, and wooed her over to his, his place and took him away from Philip, and, and they had an affair going. They had an adulterous, immoral affair going, and everybody on the streets of that area knew about it. And the Bible tells us that uh, John called him out on it. John reproved him on immorality. Let me just say something real quickly. Immorality is not something you can play with. It's something the Bible says mortify immorality. Fellas, ladies, if you find yourself in an immoral state, you find yourself with somebody you should not be with, you know and God knows you should not be with. Someone you should not be texting. Someone you should not be emailing. Someone you should not be setting a private account with to communicate. Be sure your sin will find you out. And I'm just going to tell you, marriage is an honorable thing. The physical relationship between a husband and wife, it's undefiled. It's meant for two. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. We live in a very wicked world. Immorality is as normal as breathing in our society. But it is not in vogue in God's opinion. And I don't care if you're an alley cat or you're a king in a, in a palace. It's sin, it's wrong, and it needs to be acknowledged. It needs to be confessed and repented of. And I, I don't know where in the world it comes, but I'm just telling you something. Immorality, messing around with someone who is not your spouse... That means you're not married to them. Before fornication, in the middle, adultery. Adultery not only has a judgment, it is a judgment. And every other sin you can commit is without your body. But the sin of immorality is a sin against your body. You want to text things, show pictures of things that you should not do. Uh, you don't want to be a pervert. You need to say, God in heaven, I, I need to acknowledge this. And if you've got problems with it, deal with it tonight. Don't, and go for the juggler. Well, I ain't to have my cell phone. You don't have to have a cell phone. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. And no, don't pluck your eye out. Please don't do that. But if it's your cell phone causing you a problem, go get a flip phone and face the music. If it's your computer, deal with it. If it's a, if it's a wrong relationship, sever it. You know, John the Baptist was serious. And he said to Herod, Herod, you're an adulterer. You're wrong. And it didn't bode well for him. It didn't help him at all. 
But he, he, he spoke the truth. And you see a guy who not only had humility, who knew his role, but he was bold enough to say it the way God said it. And I think there's, there's admirability. But Herod didn't like it. Herod said, you want to you preach that out in the wilderness? Or you want to preach that uh, out in the streets and under my subjects? That's, uh, that's another story. You can preach that in a jail cell, buddy. And he had his police arrest him and put him in jail. He never saw the light of day. He would spend at least 10 months in that jail cell for what he said. And, of course, he made a very, very notable enemy in Herodias. And then her daughter would do the belly dance, and then that would send him and put, a, put, a, uh, put his head off and put his, his head on a charter to please her. Because she, too, was just as guilty as he was. And, by the way, it takes two to tangle. I oftentimes, uh, you know, if you, if you want to be immoral, then there's somebody else who's ready to be immoral with you. If you want to see something, someone else will show it to you. If you want someone to send you something, you'll find someone to do that. But let me encourage you to, to, to say, God in heaven, I do not want to live an impure life. Purity is powerful. Immorality is always stupid at its foundation. It's a fling for a moment and it's pain for a lifestyle, a lifetime. And it doesn't just affect you, it doesn't just affect me, it affects so many other people. You'd have to be a total, a total nincompoop to think that it doesn't, uh, doesn't only affects one person. I had a clown one time saying, I only do this my own body and I don't hurt anybody but myself. That's a lie. That's a lie and you can't read the Bible and, and agree with that. The Bible said no man dieth to himself, no one liveth to himself, no one dieth to himself. What you do affects other people. It's one of the most foundational Christian principles that really I need to think about. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. You want to you hurt your mom and dad? You want to hurt your future? You say you love somebody and you want to lead them into an immoral lifestyle? You're, you're a selfish pig. That's ridiculous. If you love me, you no, 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 no. If you ever hear that, all those words, girls, and you're not married to that person, they start throwing out things that they're going to do with you and things we can have and enjoy together and we'll get it all worked out. It's a lie. And there's no thinking in it. It's like, a, it's like an oxen going toward the slaughter. And all he can see is a bunch of hay at the, at the end of it. Just chasing. He didn't think about it. And the Bible says it goes, it goes like a, a man or a woman in immorality cannot think properly. They lose discernment. They lack discernment. And they keep going down a wrong path, and they don't know what had hit them until their, their liver is pierced through. That's the proverb. I, I appreciate John the Baptist, and I, I tell you, friends, I just, I, I love this church. I love you. I love your family. You should love my family. You should want the same thing to me, for me. Purity is powerful. Immorality is, is, is destructive. Now, if you know that, what do you need to do if you've got a problem? You need to admit it and quit it. You need to admit it, you need to sever it, you need to do whatever you have to do to get, keep that from being a continual problem. Some are, it, there's no doubt in here, and, and I'm not just talking about man and wife relationships, sometimes homosexuality and all this transgender uh, garbage. Listen, God made a, a man a man, a woman a woman. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and your, 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 your gender was chosen by God. Accept it. Don't play around with, with thoughts like I'm an exception to God's. No, you're not. People that get into that stuff, and it's so tragic. 
You get into a homosexual lifestyle, it'll bring depression, challenges, conflict, contentions, name it. You'll have it. It's not what God wants. God is very merciful, very gracious, but don't think you're an exception to God's rule. He made them male and female. He tells them about a husband and a wife, not a husband and a husband, not a wife and a wife. I know that's not popular. That's about as biblical as you can read the Bible. You say, well, I have feelings. I don't care about your feelings. Faith is, 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 is foundational. And as faith is believing, well, I, I, I'm willing to obey whatever God's told me to do. And when you exercise faith, feelings will catch up to you. If you read your Bible just when you feel like it, you're not going to read your Bible. You go so when it feels like it, you're not going to do it. You obey God and then feelings catch up with you. You're not the exception to God's word. Now, we are in a very fallen world. You may even have familiar spirits. You may have grandparents or parents or, or uncles and aunts. And no doubt some of you got, were, were wounded as a child. And, you, and it messed up your, your psychological uh, strength to be able to discern what's, what's wrong with me and why have I made this way. And listen, let me tell you something. Go back to the Bible. Go back to God's word and believe God. Doubt your doubts and believe God. It's black and white, and I'm glad that John called it out. I'm sad that what happened with John, but God's not sad. He loved him. He took care of him. And John's happy, been happy for more than 2,000 years. Let's continue on if we can, please. Look at verse number 19. And Herod the Tetrarch, being reproved by him, Herodias, his brother, for Philip's wife, and all the evils that Herod had done. And then notice verse 20. And added yet above all that he shut up John in prison. He said, of all the filthy, wicked things that Herod did, the thing that really tipped the whole thing was that he attacked God's man and put him in jail. He said that God's going to take that to another level at the judgment one day with Mr. Herod. Now let's continue, if we can, please, in verse number 22, 21. Now, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that John also being baptized and praying, the heaven was open. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape of a dove upon him, and the voice came from heaven, which said, Thou art my beloved Son, and thee I am... Uh, I am well pleased, and Jesus himself being about 30 years old, 30 years of age, uh, being as it was supposed, Joseph's son. Real quickly, let me just share with you, this is one place, Luke 3, Matthew 3, and uh, Mark chapter 1, three times God records the baptism of Jesus. I'll just give it to you because some of you are, have been saved, you got the assurance of your salvation, you got it nailed down, and you haven't followed forward in baptism. There's no one that wants you to get baptized more after you get saved than God does. He's the one who wants it, okay? And we find here that, that Jesus was asked by the Father to get baptized to fulfill all righteousness because it was the right thing to do. John the Baptist was baptizing people. Jesus got in the line to baptize him. I'm sure, and the Bible tells us in Matthew that John forbade him. He argued with him and said, no, 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 I'm not going to baptize you. You can baptize me if you want. He said, no, 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 we're going to do this because it's to fulfill all righteousness. Allow this to happen. Suffer it to be so now. And then the Bible tells us that John, once hearing that was the right thing to do, he baptized Jesus. By the way, it's important to know that baptism, you have to have a right candidate, someone who has already been saved. You have to have a right method. 
It must be under the water and come up out of the water. A little dab won't do you, okay? That has to be done uh, under the water immersion. And then you have to have a right authority, okay? You don't just go baptize each other in your backyards and your pools, okay? It's not just, I had a lady one day, she got saved here, and I remember the first time I met her, she was drinking a vodka out of a water bottle, and God saved her. And she was from a different, an alternative lifestyle. It was beautiful to see her life change. She got saved your first baptism. She got baptized here with the discipleship. Very sweet girl. I remember her calling me from Pennsylvania one time, and she said, Pastor, I'm over in Pennsylvania. I'm visiting my family, and I just led my niece and my nephew to the Lord. They have a pool in their backyard. Can I baptize them? <laughs> I said, you know what? That's wonderful they got saved because you have a proper candidate. And you have a pool, so you have a proper method, but you're not the authority. <laughs> it is a local church. It doesn't have to be done in a local church. There needs to be someone who is an extension of a local church. And, of course, in the Bible, uh, that, was, that was an extension of a local church. And would baptize, Paul baptized, Silas probably baptized, Jesus baptized, uh, 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 excuse me, uh, John baptized. Paul didn't baptize as many people as other people did. But there needs to be a proper authority. By the way, I would say this just real quickly. A proper authority is someone who agrees with the scriptures and its foundational things. There are some folks who get baptized in other churches who do not agree with what the Bible says about the Bible. Now, we believe that God has finished explaining what he wants to say to mankind. He put it in one book. He is not continuing to talk. Okay? So someone says, I have a prophecy from God tonight, Pastor. I want to share it with the whole church. I would say thank you and no thank you. Okay, because we're not interested in prophecies. We have everything God wants us to know in the scriptures. Okay, uh, we do not believe God is adding to his word. He's done talking. He put the last amen and he said all he wants to say. Everything he's going to say, he's going to say through his word and by his spirit. And so that someone who doesn't believe that, I really don't want them teaching Sunday school one day. And teaching that so, and whenever you come to join the church, if you're baptized in a church that does not believe that, I think you, need, you have another authority you need to submit to that would agree with that situation. Some people say, well, I got saved, but I was baptized when I was an infant, so I don't want to get baptized again. I don't need to, do I? Well, in the Bible, everyone, there's not one infant ever baptized in the Bible. And everyone who got baptized got baptized after they got saved. So that person would need to follow the Lord in baptism. He said, well, Pastor, that, my family's been in that group for all those years. And that's wonderful. You have to choose between your family and what God the Father wants you to do. It's right or it's wrong. It might not be comfortable to you, but you've got to find out what does God want me to do. Because you're not going to have to answer to your family one day. You have to answer to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. And if you say, Pastor, I don't agree with what you say, well, then find out what God wants you to do and then do that. But we find that Jesus got baptized. Why did Jesus get baptized? He didn't have any sin. But he got baptized, I think, for three basic reasons. Number one, he got baptized because it was the right thing to do, to fulfill all righteousness. By the way, that's why you should get baptized after you get saved. If you've been saved, the next thing you do is follow and baptize. You know, God picks something easy. Aren't you glad he didn't say, all right, if you get, get saved, you've got to go to a high mountain, get a, get, a, get a loudspeaker and say, I'm saved. If someone were crippled, they couldn't do that. If someone were too old, they couldn't do that. 
God could have said, hey, if you get saved, you've got to put your name in the newspaper so everybody in your community will know. But there will be some civilizations that don't have a newspaper. He could have said all kinds of things. You've got to make a trip to Jerusalem and, and kneel at Golgotha. But that's not, that would, be, that would prevent many of us from being able to do that in our lifetime. You know, God picks something that anyone can do in the whole world. If you're born in the first century, the 21st century, if you're young or you're old, if you're tall or if you're short, if you're old, if you're rich or you're poor, if you're a man or a woman, anybody, no one's allergic to water. God's gift of water, and he gives every person an opportunity to take a few months. No one cannot, can, can, cannot just go underwater momentarily. God gave some, if we've, we've baptized crippled people. They can't, they're, they're paralyzed on their, from their chest down. They've been baptized here. Men, older men, older ladies. Anyone can do that. And God picks something easy. If you lived in Australia, you can, you can get baptized. If you're born in the 15th century, the first century, he picks something anyone could do in his great kindness. If you're born in a village in Papua New Guinea, you can get baptized. If you're in Nicaragua, you can get baptized. God picked something simple, and, and he did it because it was the right thing. Number two, Jesus got baptized because it marked a change of life. There is now, he is, he is identifying, this is a change of life. What did Jesus uh, do with his father for those first 30 years of his life occupationally? He's a carpenter. Is that why God sent Jesus to the earth so he could work with wood and make chairs and tables and hang doors and frame houses and, and put cabinets up. Do you think that's why Jesus came to the earth? No, but that's what he did for the first 30 years. I submit to you, after he got baptized, he didn't frame another house. He didn't saw another two-by-four. He didn't make another chair or hang another cabinet. He didn't outfit another thing. You know, what he did now is he went to, came to do what he came on the earth to do. And in, in Romans chapter 6, the Bible says, we're buried with him in baptism. By the way, that's a good word to underline. We're buried with him in baptism. That like as Jesus was raised, uh, buried and raised in, in the light, we should walk in a newness of life. You know what a baptism does when you stand in that baptistry? We have Brother Jeff that's here again tonight. He got baptized this morning. Whenever he got baptized, one thing needs to be going on in Jeff's mind is now I have to consider someone else. See, baptism doesn't wash your sin away. Baptism does not cleanse anyone from sin. We had that discussion this morning. One of our good men said, do you get baptized so you can be totally cleansed from sin? Absolutely not. You don't have to get baptized to go to heaven. But baptism is important to God. It's a, it's a symbol to the Lord. It's kind of like a wedding band. What makes someone married? If I had a couple say to me, Pastor, we're looking forward to getting married. It's going to be wonderful. We've got the ring. Uh, we've got a reception. We've got all the decorations. We just don't really want to do the vows. No, no vows, but let's get married, huh? I couldn't do it, and I wouldn't do it. Because what makes someone married is the vows, not the kiss. That's fun, though. <laughs> uh, it's not the ring. No, it's the vow. It's the promise that you make. Well, what makes someone a Christian? It's the promise. 1 John chapter 2, verse 25, this is a promise. He hath promised us even eternal life. The way eternal life is, it's a promise that God makes to you and you accept. But baptism is God's wedding band. I, I, Linda has a wedding band. I have one. I, I really want her to keep that on. I like her to wear a wedding band. I want everyone to know that sometime in Linda's life, she has made a promise and took a promise. I want everybody to know that she's mine. 
And she wants me to wear mine because that tells everybody else that I've, I've taken a promise. You know, God wants that for all of us. After we get saved, to follow the Lord in baptism, and it marks a change of life and purpose. Our last thought real quickly is it pictures the death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. And you know, Jesus did that. Jesus did it so as an example to so us, we would do it. He got into the River Jordan. I've been to the place where they assumed that it was about the section where he got baptized, and it's not that impressive. Um, Naaman argued about that. Remember Naaman? Whenever he had leprosy and he went to see the little girl and, and, uh, and uh, or his, his handmaid said, go over to Israel. And of course, Elijah didn't come out and Elijah didn't come out. They just sent the, 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 the speaker to say, yeah, he said, you want to get healed? Just go down and dip yourself seven times in the River Jordan. River Jordan! I know a lot better rivers than that one. That one's nasty. That was the one that Jesus got in to get baptized. And if he, as an example for us to do it. And this is what Jesus did. He got baptized here. And when he did, interesting enough to see that the Bible says that the heavens opened and God's spirit came on him as obvious as a bird would fly off a branch and land on his, on his head. I don't think a bird flew off his branch. You see, see the Jesus again, there's a bird flying there. Okay, I don't think that's probably exactly. It was obvious something came on the origin of Jesus. Number two, the voice of God, his father, came from heaven and said, this is my beloved son. I'm well pleased with him. By the way, anyone who obeys the Lord as well, you get that same affirmation you get from your Father. You know one thing you all want is heavenly Father affirmation. You want to know God is pleased with you. Jesus said, I do all those things which please the Father. And whenever we do what God wants to do, he, he is pleased and glorified. The last part of this chapter, the Lord in his wisdom had John. I can't imagine, Luke, excuse me, find out all of these names. But he found out 75 names that would go from Mary's dad, whose name was Jacob, all the way down to Adam, who was the son of God. He does it in three sections. The royal section, it goes from Mary's dad all the way to David. And then it goes into the religious section. It goes from David's dad, Jesse, all the way down to Abraham. And then it goes to the racial section, which is uh, how he got into the human race from Terah's dad, which is Abraham's dad, all the way down into Adam. And then Adam was the son of God, showing us that he was 100% God and he was 100% man at the same time. And God is so wise to put that in the scripture. Or you ever wonder, why are they all those names in there? Well, God wants to make sure there's no stone unturned. Aren't you glad you have a God like that? 